Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Welcome back to another episode of All Turns and No Breaks. I am your solo host, Tam. Yes, I said solo host. If you listen to the show weekly, you know I have two partners in crime. Neither one of them are my partners this week. Well, kind of, sort of. Before I jump into where is Renee, hashtag where is Renee and where is Kenny, I want to tell you guys we missed you. So sorry that we weren't here last week to talk NASCAR. But as you guys know, we decided to take a break. Since NASCAR took a break for Father's Day, we decided to take a break. And no, we're not taking a break this week. We're just kind of doing things a little bit different. You want to know where is Renee? Renee is going to chime in a little bit later on this show and give you his predictions. And where is Kenny, you ask? Don't worry, because Kenny is about to give you guys the 411 as in the complete rundown. Kenny is going to talk all things Sonoma. He's also going to share his thoughts on DW retiring. Yes, we have heard our final boogity, boogity, boogity from Daryl Waltrip on the Fox broadcast because it's no secret that was it for DW. I hope that's not the last time we will see him at the track, but it's definitely the last time that we will see him calling a race for Fox Sports. Kenny's also going to talk about the Roval. Yes, we had some Roval talk over the weekend. Who's excited for the Roval? I know I am because I enjoyed last year's Roval. It was pleasantly surprising. So yes, Kenny is going to join in and talk all things NASCAR. And what am I going to do, you're asking? Well, I'm going to offer my predictions and sit back and listen to what Kenny has to say. Without further ado, Kenny, what it do? Let us know your thoughts on all things NASCAR for the past two weeks. First off and foremost, what it do, Tam? What it do, Renee? And of course, I cannot forget, what it do, all turns, no breaks, family. What is up, y'all? I hope each and every one of you enjoyed your Father's Day weekend. Of course, we took the week off, just like Tam mentioned before. And... We had a little bit of racing action in NASCAR still. The Cup Series guys got a week off, but the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series managed to have themselves a weekend at Iowa. And as a matter of fact, they raced both on Sunday, Father's Day Sunday at that, because of rain on Saturday that stopped the truck race, and so they had to run the truck race first in the morning. Ross Chastain was supposed to be the winner, but he was disqualified in post-race inspection. Too low. That's what NASCAR said, so Brett Moffitt was deemed the winner, Later that afternoon, Christopher Bell managed to get himself another win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in a dominating fashion. So Father's Day got a little bit of short track action. Nothing wrong with that. Thought both of those races were pretty entertaining. Iowa is actually one of my favorite tracks that the Cup Series doesn't go to at the moment. But there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of rumors going around that maybe in 2021, we may just very well see a Cup race at Iowa Speedway. That would be interesting. A lot of fans have asked for that quite a bit. They have really been wondering, are we going to get another short track to our schedule? Iowa seems perfect. It has all the aspects of a short track that you could ever want. I know many people debate that it's not a short track. 
It's a intermediate that runs like a short track. I'm not the one to debate for that. However, this time around, we do have a Cup Series race. And we also had a truck race where Ross Chastain at Gateway picked up another win and navigated his way to his road to making to the playoffs now for the truck series. So that's good on him after that disqualification. But at Sonoma, it was Martin Truex Jr. who got the win. And it seems like it has been nothing but the Joe Gibbs show all this time. I have no idea what it is, but I feel like they have it. I know a lot of people would say it comes down between Gibbs and Penske, but I feel like Gibbs has somehow, some way managed to run away from the competition. I feel like they just have it down pat. I mean, you just take a look. I, I feel as they are the, the true dominant team. I mean, they had all four of their cars finish in the top 10. They had it made. They had a day, and even their satellite team, you could say, with Levine Family Racing in the 95 with Matt Benedetto, he came home in fourth. So all of their cars did good, all of them. Penske, on the other hand, you have Ryan Blaney. He came in third, and I feel like he is on the fringe of making himself get into the playoffs he's getting so so close every single time it just seems like something may happen to him and something causes him not to win a race it's unfortunate but to give you a sum up of the top 10 obviously martin truex jr was your winner second place was kyle bush almost caught him in those last 10 laps or so but just didn't have enough time to get to him ryan blaney like i said came home in third matt Benedetto for a career best finish as a matter of fact came home in fourth denny hamlin came home in 11th Kevin Harvick was sixth place, so you guys get a blooming onion <laughs> today or Monday. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, it was on Monday. <laughs> Ryan Newman came home in seventh. Eric Jones in eighth. Eric Amarola, surprisingly for the Haas cars who had been struggling, came home in ninth. And Kyle Larson in the Ganassi Camaro came home in tenth place. So that is the top ten. Now, with that being said, what exactly do I think about what we saw for Sonoma? Now, Sonoma is always the calmest road course race on the schedule. I know we only have two, technically, two technical road courses. Then you add the Roval in, but still, if we're just talking Sonoma and Watkins Glen itself, usually Sonoma is going to be the calmest. And if we're adding the Roval into that, I, I don't think it's going to even come close. Sonoma decided to add the carousel this year. We made a little bit of a different change and drivers had to kind of adjust is what we saw throughout the weekend. I personally thought the race itself was okay. I don't think it was anything crazy or anything that's going to make me want to go back and watch that again. I mean, it's cool that Martin Truex Jr. has managed to win at Sonoma three times in a row. That's great. Yippee, right? It's, it's fun in that sense if you're a Martin Truex Jr. fan. But if you aren't, it's like, well, here we go again. Another Gibbs car, another Gibbs win. Ugh. Because we haven't seen that many different winners so far this season. So we're kind of in a situation where we have one team really dominating. Another team is like right there on the cusp of being right where they're at. And then you just have everybody else. And it's crazy how it's turned out that way so far this season. I'm actually pretty shocked that that's kind of the state of where we're at. But I don't really see it changing at all. But just overall, Sonoma was real calm. It wasn't crazy. And matter of fact, we had zero natural cautions. None. No, none of them. That's it. I'm not kidding you. It's crazy that we had no cautions at all besides the stage cautions, which is exactly going to segue into my point of the fact that we don't need to have cautions for stages at 
road courses and same with Pocono as well. Another track I think doesn't need them. I think it disrupts the flow already as it is for stages to end. And I think they also take up too much time. If I'm not mistaken, going into stage two, about 20% of stage two was ran under yellow. It's too many caution laps being taken up from actual racing from each stage is what I've noticed a lot. Not even just at Sonoma, but a place there where the, the laps itself aren't very are, are long enough, but the race is somewhat short. You just keep taking away, taking away, taking away, taking away. You don't have as much as you would expect, right? My thing is, if you just let the race flow naturally itself, and even at any other place, I feel like, because this is a problem around, all around NASCAR as a, as a whole with the stages. I feel like if you just let the race run, if I finish in 10th at the end of stage one, let me keep running my race. Because I think that is kind of also screwed up the element of true strategy at the road course races in particular. As you notice, guys were short pitting, quote unquote, at the end of the stage and those last three laps or so at each stage, they would pit because they knew they would get their spot anyway. That's all they had to do was pit, boom, cycle around. There you go. End of the stage. It's just as simple as that. I just don't think that having them stop and ruin all the momentum for one is bad. But again, the strategy element at road courses are almost virtually eliminated. You really all you have to do at this point is play the caution you know what lap pit road closes. All the crew chiefs know. Everyone knows it. So before it closes, all you have to do is make your stop. Everybody else who didn't make their stop will be behind you, and likely it's nobody that's a contender. That top 15 is probably already pitted by that point. That is the issue. You have them done already. They've done what they had to do. The strategy element has kind of killed what has made road course racing special for NASCAR. And it's gotten better over the years. That's just the other thing. The fact that we've been able to see a product that a lot of times people weren't even interested in road racing like how they are now. There was a point in time where people were just drawn away completely. I know Tam doesn't really have a big thing for road courses either, but as a majority of the fan base, you look at Watkins Glen and you look at Sonoma a few years ago, it really wasn't a sought after event. People weren't going crazy because we adding a, a road course into the playoffs like how they are now. People are happy about that now. It's just like how much people are happy about short tracks. That's what people want. At the end of the day, of course, this is going to always change and somebody may want something different later down the road. But my thing is, why hurt it any further than what it is? I feel like if we're moving forward and the stages are going to stay, and I don't have a problem with them first off and foremost, if they're going to stay, let's throw the idea in to quit the cautions completely. Just cut them out. Let them run as is. They can still collect stage points. We don't have to take time in the scoring down by pen and paper. We have computers that can keep track of all these cars. As soon as that car hits that loop, boom, done. As soon as that car hits his lap 10 or whatever lap that stage is supposed to end at, done. Give them the points, calculate the points, and keep going. It is just as simple as that. I think that's all you need to do. But that's just kind of my synopsis on what I thought about Sonoma. It was all right. I'm sure Jeff Lux poll is probably going to have a lot of people saying no, given the winner as well. Didn't help. <laughs> so that's what that is for Sonoma. That's what I'm thinking about it. And just let alone, we have one more thing to talk about about Sonoma. Actually, before we switch gears, we had Daryl Walter boogity, 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 boogity one last time at Sonoma. Can't believe it. He has had a 19 year long career in the broadcast booth. 
17 years with Fox and two years with CBS. And in two years at CBS, I feel like were some of the freshest moments you could have ever got at a DW. I thought that's when he was really, really good. I thought at the time, DW was pretty sharp. I feel like he had his time where he was an incredibly sharp broadcaster, did everything in his power to do what he had to do. And I think at some points he was very, very, um, he was very outlandish. I still remember him making a comment about what, basically what the product that we have now on track with the cars being so planted to the ground and the big spoilers. I think this was in 2011 at Auto Club. I'm going to see if I can find the clip. I may say something about it on Twitter at some point. But I remember him saying something about that being a terrible, terrible idea. And now look where we're at today. You won't hear a peep out of him about that. You never would during that last season of Fox. You didn't hear anything of that nature. And nothing like that in the last five years or so. I just feel like same thing with sometimes with drivers' careers, including his, unfortunately. Towards the end, it was it was real bad. Anybody who was a Daryl Walter fan should know it was really, really bad at a point. He just wasn't performing. The car wasn't any any good for him either. And he basically stayed around just a little bit too long, even for his driving career, some would say. I think that's just the same thing with the broadcasting, in my opinion, personally, and a lot of other people's opinion. A lot of people have wanted him out. And it's not because nobody likes DW. I just think he kind of stayed a little bit longer than people were expecting or people could technically handle. And it just got kind of worse and worse. And people are already kind of against him. And it kind of sucks. Because you know what? This is a guy that is a cup champion, a multiple cup champion at that. A Daytona 500 winner. A Southern 500 winner as well, if I'm not mistaken. He's had a hell of a career. I think he has 85 wins or whatever it is. He has a lot of wins. Needless to say, his career as a driver was one of the most polarizing careers ever, I would say. At least top 10, I think. I'm not saying he's at the top five ladder. I think he may be at the bottom, but... In the top 10 still, it's pretty, it's pretty damn good, in my opinion. I feel like that's the thing that people are going to forget about DW. They're going to forget about how good of a storyteller he is. They're going to forget about how good of a driver he once was at a point before the end of his career. Hell of a driver. Hell of a personality. Still is in his own way. It just kind of sucks that we're at a point where he is looked as kind of goofy and just doesn't give any type of analysis that anybody would want to hear. That's just the point where we got, and it kind of sucks for him. I really do feel bad, honestly. It it sucks, but I think for what he did when he was in his prime, so to speak, as a broadcaster, I feel like he did good. I'm not saying he he is the best of the best, but he did good. He did what he could, I think. He made his career last as long as it did. So to DW, I hope you enjoy your retirement. I hope you do whatever you want because it's all you now. Now, we're rolling into the next segment here. We've got what exactly has been going on in NASCAR. Well, I did mention a little bit about the Roval, and we do have a bit of a change, as a matter of fact. Changes to the Roval are coming for the fall. They're actually going to widen the backstretch chicane. Now, if you have ever raced that thing on iRacing or have seen it in person and seen what it had done to a couple drivers in practice, it is a good thing that that thing is going to be widened out. But... Also, for the racing fans, I think that's going to also add another dynamic to the race itself because it gives another opportunity for drivers to pass. Now you have a chance to see drivers pass in a much, much bigger bigger um, space on the backstretch. They have plenty of room now and quite a bit of a runoff room as well. The Roval should be even better than what it was last year. 
I think they have got that one down packed. That race was one of the most exciting races. <laughs> but nevertheless, I'm looking forward to the Roval in September. So for the All Turns No Breaks family that will be out there, hope to see you guys this year too. So the Roval coming up, big changes. That'll be cool. And I have one more thing. I guess you could say this is more so something I've had a thought about. And as well as our, our friend of the show, Kobe Lambeth. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Kobe Lambeth. I'm telling you, that kid is super sharp. He is younger than me, probably knows more than me. <laughs> Huge racing fan all across the board, knows a ton about NASCAR itself and a ton about other disciplines as well. We had a conversation recently talking about the current state of NASCAR and same with Formula One. There's a very, very odd similarity. Now, I know you're probably thinking like, how the hell are these two things going to be anywhere near close? Well, we've got a product on track for both that people aren't really enjoying for one also part of the mercedes domination likewise to the gibbs domination right then on top of that we have drivers who have came out to say that they don't feel like they're challenged or they don't like the package that they're currently working with and when you have a combination of that those are two of the most probably two of the most popular motorsports across the board and in europe obviously formula one dominates and in the united states we have nascar that dominates so we have two different series, but we have two big issues. We've had the drivers talk about it. We've had the drivers that have flat out said they can't stand this. They don't even want to talk about it at this point, which is fine. I can totally understand because that's all we had talked about all season, except for Sonoma for a change. There was no conversation of that. I don't think the package could have changed in that package anywhere at or any anytime soon at Sonoma would make a difference. It wouldn't make a difference at all. I don't think it, it would break break that race and make it wilder crazier i don't think so sonoma is just it's just calm and we have the same issue where we have drivers that aren't again we have those drivers that just aren't happy with what they have so far so where exactly do you go from here because you have drivers saying it and i know people say oh man they're just complaining they make plenty of money they make this they make that and Kobe brought this up to me and said, do you think any of these guys would ever leave these series? And I tell you why they won't. Money. I'll give you the best example I have from NASCAR, at least. AJ Allmendinger was a driver for quite some time with JTG. And the same thing about him that is with everybody else is, well, we all know how talented every single one of these drivers are to some capacity in any other. They can do some, some of them can do more than one discipline is what I'm trying to say. AJ Allmendinger in his prime probably should have been in a sports car probably should have been back in an indy car that's probably where he should have been but that's not exactly the case he didn't end up being there he ended up staying in a stock car in mid-pack equipment you know it's not the best thing but they always brought a bullet when it came to the road course that is something they always did however if he could get paid the same in indy car or in the same in imza do i think he would have lasted as long as he did in nascar absolutely not now, I don't think that Brad Keselowski, Christopher Bell, um, a Kyle Busch are going to just go off and go dirt racing. I don't think they will. Or Kyle Larson, for another example. I don't think they're going to go out there and do that. Not to live that lavish St. Mary's lifestyle like they do or whatever it's called out there in Charlotte or Lake Mary. They're not giving that up. I highly doubt it. I don't think many of any of you guys listening will want to give something up like that. Imagine you making, let's just say, figurehead. Imagine you're making $20 million a year as a driver, and then you have to go down and you might crack a million, maybe if you race maybe if you race every single week of the year, every other day of the year. 
I don't think everyone's going to give that up. Not everyone is built like that for one, and I don't think too many people will want to do it anyway. So I don't think it's going to make drivers dissipate from each series. What I think needs to happen is there needs to be a realization from all these series and their sanctioning bodies say, okay, look, I know you can't listen to every single thing that a driver says, but I think there is a, is a point in time where if you have a majority saying this, that we want this to be more difficult, which it should be, if you're at the pinnacle of motorsports, you should want this to be the hardest damn thing they can drive. A sprint car is probably at this point harder to drive than a cup car. And I'm not saying that just any old Joe can hop in a cup car. For example, what I'm saying is, and or a Formula One car as well, what I'm saying is that there needs to be more of a challenge. Clearly, the package, it doesn't really showcase driver talent like it should. I know, obviously, there's going to be the guys who are going to always be at the front. You look at your Joe Gibbs, you look at Hendrick, you look at Penske. Yes, those guys are obviously going to run up front. There's no question to that. We know they will. We expect them to run up front. They have the most money <laughs> out of everybody. Of course, they're going to run up front. That's what's going to get you speed. They have the resources. They have all of that without question. Now, the thing is, make the car much, much harder. That's the reason why a guy that is super young wanted to get to cup. That is why they wanted to get there, because it's deemed as the hardest form, uh, the hardest stock car racing you can do in the entire country. That's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be foot to the floor. And I can yawn every once in a while or drive my left foot. That's not what this is about. You want it to be the very best and then produce the very best. If you give them 750 horsepower and you lift the cars off the ground so air can actually travel under the car, you can get a hell of a show. I'm not saying you're going to have a door-to-door moment every single weekend. That's not reality. That's not what we're going to get. And I wish at times we didn't sell, or at least NASCAR wouldn't sell commercials as if this is going to be the same thing every single weekend. It's just not going to happen that way. That's not reality. And again, if it was that way, nobody would give two dams about it. If we had the same close finish every single weekend, we would get tired of it. Man, it would, for some reason, and I know this is how everything works, we would get somebody asking, why can't we get somebody to dominate? Man, you know, I sure wish we had a Martin Truex Jr. dominate every once in a while just to make it different. You would want people to get different things. Eventually, people would want something different. So having that happen and giving them the best opportunity to do so is much better than giving them the same type of cars that they all have complained about severely. I know a driver that complains usually means the show was good. Not always. I don't think this year that's a case where you can give them that. I don't think we do that. I think we have got to look into it, or at least NASCAR has got to look into it and try and make changes coming for Gen 7. I'm pretty sure we're going to be stuck with the same exact package for next year. But when Gen 7 comes out in 2021, there needs to be a change. Those cars need to look like street cars. Those cars need to be off the ground. You need to make them hard to drive. Make it a challenge. That is what the world's quote-unquote greatest drivers are supposed to be in. That is that. So that is pretty much my rant and my thoughts on what's been going on so far in the NASCAR world. Kenny, if you didn't know, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for updating our listeners on your thoughts on all things NASCAR for the past week or two. Again, do you guys realize how much we miss you? Yes, we missed talking NASCAR last week, but we are back and we are back on schedule. 
what does that mean? That means it's time for your history lesson. I know you guys missed the history lesson the last couple of weeks. Before we jump into some predictions, and I'm doing things a little bit different this show, I am going to give you the history lesson. Then Renee's going to give you all his thoughts on who he thinks is going to win at Chicagoland. And then Kenny's going to chime in and tell you his thoughts. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Here's the history lesson, boys and girls. We have been racing at Chicagoland Speedway since 2001. Uh, That's not that long considering we've been racing at some NASCAR tracks way longer than that. We race Cup as well as Xfinity one time a year in Chicagoland. And yeah, the trucks, they race there too. But as you guys know, on this show, we mainly talk about cup racing. Our past 10 winners at Chicagoland, let's see. Should we go from the bottom up or should we go from the top down? Let's start from 2008. 2008, Kyle Busch was your winner. 2009, Mark Martin. We haven't said that name in a while. 2010, David Ruderman, and we hardly ever say that name. 2011, my main man, ladies love smoke, Tony Stewart. 2012, Brad Keselowski. 2013, Matt Kenseth. 2014, Brad Keselowski. 2015, Denny Hamlin. 2016, Martin Truex Jr. 2017, Martin Truex Jr in 2018 Kyle Busch. Now considering that Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch just finished 1-2 at Sonoma, I think we may have something going on as we go into Chicagoland. And let's not forget who's dominated this season, Joe Gibbs Racing. It should be interesting to see who will win at Chicagoland. You want to know who's my pick to win at Chicagoland? I'm going to go out and say, and I'm not going out on a limb. I'm just going to go out and say, I'm feeling like Denny Hamlin wants some of that action over at Joe Gibbs Racing. So I'm going to pick Denny Hamlin as my winner, and I am going to pick Kyle Busch as my alternative to win at Chicagoland. Renee, what say you? All right. And Tam, as you know, I, I like to go off of vibes. And for some reason, I'm vibing with Martin Truex Jr. this weekend. I got a good feeling he could win the race this weekend. But if I'm going to go with an alternative pick, I think I'm going to go with Chase Elliott. I honestly feel that Chase could win this uh, race as well. But I'm going to go with uh, Chase as my alternative pick. And I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr. as my winner to take the checkered flag home this weekend in Chicago. Those are my picks. And I'm sticking with them, Tam. Okay. Now that we have Renee's picks, Kenny. What's your call? What you thinking for this week? Now we are headed to Chicago Land Speedway. Tam already gave her history lesson on what has happened at Chicago Land. We haven't been racing there very long. We've only been racing there since 2001, just like she said. So with that being said, who exactly am I going to pick going into the Chicago Land weekend? Last year, we had quite the show with Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson, which unfortunately won't be able to be replicated this weekend due to the package. Sucks, right? I'm actually going to go with Kyle Busch to be the first repeat winner at Chicagoland since 2001 and 2002 when Kevin Harvick did it. That's going to be my main pick. 
Then my second pick, I can't help right now, but I got to go with Martin Truex Jr., who was the 16 and 17 winner as well. I think he, well, he was actually the last to go back to back, as a matter of fact, excuse me. But I think Martin Truex Jr. is going to be the driver. I think he is going to be the, the next guy from Gibbs that could possibly win a Chicagoland. So those are my picks. I don't know about y'all, but that's what I'm feeling for Chicagoland. Those are our predictions for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Not only are we asking you to hit subscribe, we also need you to leave us a comment. Whether you love the show or hate it, well, hopefully you love it. Because if you listen all this time, you must love it. Please leave us a comment. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. Where else do you oh where where else do you guys listen to podcasts? Okay, wherever it is, we are there. Just make sure you hit subscribe. And also, please tell a friend. We appreciate it. For myself, Renee, as well as Front Row Kenny. Yes, put some respect on his name. That's Front Row Kenny. We want to say thank you and we will see you again next week. And before I give you my bye-bye, don't forget to check us out on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Turns No Breaks. Again, our user is Turns No Breaks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 